So with that said, this is a disclaimer that, you know, these are our stories from our personal experiences and that by no means uh, means that we're speaking upon like a generalized experience about immigration or its processes. Um, we both understand that the immigration process is very different for a lot of different people, but this is coming from our own personal experiences and the experiences that only we can talk about. Um, Welcome back to Brewing with Ori. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. Today's episode is going to be a little bit of a 360 from last week. It'll be a little bit more serious. Just talk about different experiences that my guest and I have had just in life and moving and everything, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But with that said, my guest is a lion. Lion, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to the public? Yeah, thank you for having me here. Um, my name is Lion Lee. I'm a third year biomedical engineering major here at UT. Some things I'm involved in are student engineering council, and I'm part of Texas Blazers. Yeah, and I was born in South Korea, and I moved to Seattle when I was about five, and then I moved here to da- the Dallas area about two years later, and now I'm here. Yeah, very cool. Um, Lion and I are new friends but i feel like we are very close low-key just because like i guess covid i feel like you're the the very few friends like new friendships that you make they become very close friendships um but basically lion and i met via steph because steph is also is biomedical engineering and so you you know you and steph are in the same group and basically steph's pod um was also the her engineering friends and i kind of just like clipped on and i just kind of said hey guys and and now we're friends because of that yeah i think it helps definitely when you live so close to each other oh Um, yeah yeah Yeah, like literally um a couple floors away um not even a couple lion literally (laughs) lives one floor down um so yeah yeah so basically like even more reason Mm -hmm. to like hang out um during a pandemic, you know? Um, So that's basically how we met. But basically today, I kind of want to talk about, Lion and I were talking about this recently because we're both immigrants. um, And we were just talking about our stories. And I realized that I feel like you have um, a different story than I do um, immigrating here. And I think that's like really cool. And when we were talking about it, I remember thinking to myself like, it's so interesting that regardless of us being immigrants, like our immigration process, our immigration story, the reason why we immigrated, whatever that might be, is just can be so vastly different, right? And so for this podcast, I kind of wanted to touch upon that a little bit and give y'all a little insight about how we felt, I guess, coming into the US as immigrants. So with that said, this is a disclaimer that You know, these are our stories from our personal experiences and that by no means uh, means that we're speaking upon like a generalized experience about immigration or its processes. Um, We both understand that the immigration process is very different for a lot of different people, but this is coming from our own personal experiences and the experiences that only we can talk about. Um, So with that said, do you have anything else to add on to that? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I hope that nobody takes anything we say as like a piece of advice. We're really just here to share our stories. Um, and what you talked about how 
our stories are really different. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's kind of weird to think about because the process is identical. Yeah. You know, you know, it's very strict laws. There's barely any loopholes. You have to go through the same process, but how it affects everyone. Because I think I got my citizenship before I turned 18. Right. Um, And you got yours after you turned 18, right? Yeah. I got mine literally like in December, like December, 2020. So I've had it for like barely like two months. Yeah. And then like, just depending on when you get it really changes the whole process. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, And that's something that we're definitely going to get into a little bit later on. But from right now, like, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, the origins where we're from, and like, why uh, we might have immigrated, um, and stuff like that. So do you want to take it away? I'll get started. So I was born in South Korea, and my dad, he used to work at Boeing. And there he like kind of rose up in the ranks. Um, and he was sent to America to serve as like their U.S. delegate, like partnership with Boeing and Korean Air. It was a really good gig. Uh, but really why my dad chose it was because he recently had me and my sisters as um, his children. And my mom and dad were like, yeah, probably America's the best move for our futures. It's easier to be successful in America yeah. mm-hmm. than it is in a different country, even though it might be hard to believe. So, yeah, they, that happened when I was around four or five um, but then when he moved to America, his job became really hard. Um, like he almost burned out in a couple of years in Seattle. So that's when my parents pretty much dropped everything. And like that, I would say it was like the start of the American dream where they say, you know, immigrants come to America with almost nothing yeah. and they kind of build up their future, right? Just for the sake of their children. Yeah. And that's what my parents did. My dad had a very high paying job at Boeing, but he kind of dropped it because he didn't want to do it. Um, he moved to Texas for us because... I think they identified, I mean, this was really weird, but they knew that Texas had the most medical schools oh, like back then. Yeah. Um, so Texas technically has the highest rate. And I kind of, that kind of paved my sister's path because they wanted to be medical students or my parents wanted all of us to be medical students. Mm-hmm. Um, but regarding the immigration process, I'd say it was pretty, it's definitely lengthy. You know? Oh, 100%. Um, I don't remember there being a lot of drama about getting a green card. Um, that was pretty easy, but regarding the actual citizenship, how long did that take you? Because I think it took us for like 10 years. Oh, yeah. No, same. I came in with a visa. So I came in f- from uh, Venezuela. Um, and the reason why we uh, like immigrated to the U.S. was because of my dad's job as well. Um, so my dad just got an opportunity to work um, in Houston. Uh, and he was just like, yeah, of course, like we'll take it. Um, and it was during a time where Venezuela like wasn't... Uh, how awful it's doing right now just because a little background on Venezuela there's like a lot of literally social economic political um unrest because of the government and and it's just uh I think that is a another story for a different podcast but basically it was at the beginning where there were there were I think my parents saw what eventually became of Venezuela and they they kind of like saw that early on and obviously it was a good job like why not it was in the united states like i don't know i i mean and it's funny because i know my parents are going to be listening to this and i this is something that i haven't really talked about fully with them but i can bet that my parents saw that i would probably not have had a future in venezuela if we didn't move to a country like the us right And so we ended up immigrating to Houston. And I think what you said about the American dream is actually really cool because I completely think like for me, like 
my family was also following the American dream. Um, it's the fact that you're you're coming into the U.S. and you're hoping for a better life, hoping for a better life for your kids as well. Like I always, I don't know if you can relate, but I always think of the sacrifices that my mom and dad did for me to literally be sitting here at the University of Texas at Austin, like studying what I want to study, like doing the things that I want to do. But this literally would not be here without them. Um, and I always think of like how hard it must have been for them um, because I moved when I was almost nine. But at the time, like, I feel like, I don't know, like, I don't think my parents ever showed struggle, but I was also so young that I'm like, did I just, was I just in my own little world being like, oh, this is a new life. Like, this is interesting or whatever. As a young person, like you kind of disregard that aspect because you just don't think about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, growing up as an immigrant child, you're kind of, you feel left out. It's very hard growing up, but you never realize until later how much of a struggle is probably greater struggles your parents went through. I mean, yeah. could you imagine leaving this country, leaving all of your friends to yeah. a place you don't know how to talk in? Um, you don't know how to earn money in that country. I mean, you could, I mean, job instability is so high sometimes. I think like that goes well into when I was growing up, I think life of an immigrant is just really hard, especially if you move at an age where, where I did, where I was starting to learn Korean. So yeah. I wasn't that good, but then I was moving, I moved to America. So I was like new Korean, but not really, but I didn't know English and I was old enough to have to go to school. So that was a really, probably really rough period where I had to like, you know, not only gain social skills, but have to learn an entirely new language. And the fact that we moved around so often kind of hindered on my social development skills. Yeah. So like I considered that a really big struggle, um, but it wasn't until a couple of years late, like earlier that, you know, I didn't realize how much of a struggle my parents went through. Yeah. And I think that's really fair. And I think this is like a little different for me that whenever I moved in or I came to the US, it was the same thing. Like when I tell y'all, like my, the only person that knew English was my dad because he, he went to an international school in Venezuela. But other than that, my brother, my mom and I knew like no English. Like I was taking English classes just in Venezuela, just because it's like taking Spanish here. But my knowledge of English was literally like mom, dad, cat, dog, you know, very, very basic. So that was really a struggle for me, like coming in and communicating and, and just learning how to do that. But I think a big difference is that, you know, when you're younger, you pick up things a lot quicker. So I learned English honestly quite quickly in comparison to my mom and everything because I was constantly surrounded with American people. There was not one person that was an American. Like I had to learn English. And obviously like I had tutors, like the, I remember the Spanish teacher at the school that I was at the first year, she was on the side. She literally would tutor me um, and teach me English. But that was like a really big struggle for me. But I do have to say that I'm white passing. Like if we're being really honest, like I am white passing. And so I feel like socially, like I didn't really have a struggle in that sense, but I did struggle a little bit with the accent um, aspect to it. And I'm not gonna lie, I struggled with that until like, this might be unbelievable until high school, because obviously like you're not from here, you have an accent naturally. But it wasn't even just the accent. It was the fact that I said things wrong and like people would literally like call it out. But sometimes it would be like a call out that like 
I don't know. Like I, I'm very, I feel like I'm very tough skinned. And whenever they like, like people would call out like, oh, you said this wrong or whatever. Like I would be very like, oh, cool. Like I didn't think anything of it, but I do remember in high school and having like people around me, like it's, it's like funny to them. Like they would laugh about it. Not maliciously. I want to make that very clear. It was never a malicious laugh of like, ah, uh, Oriana's like saying things wrong. Like she's so like, whatever. It was always like, they just generally were like, ha ha ha. Like, that's not how you say that. But it was annoying. Like it was annoying because it was just like, okay, can you correct me without laughing? Because I know you, I like know you're not trying to be mean, but it bothers me, you know? Yeah, no, that's interesting. You brought up the accent point because you know, I, I come from an Asian country, right? So yeah. if you came from like a British or English um, country, you know, their accents, you know, Americans almost want to have that accent. Yeah, they like, and like, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind it. of, yeah, yeah, they idolize it. It's kind of weird and they try to mimic it all the time. And it's almost seen as like a more attractive accent at times, right? Yeah. But when it comes to Asian accents, they're almost like, you know, my friends never treated me maliciously, but they're right. almost looked down upon. Mm-hmm. You'll see like, if someone does a British accent, they're trying to be maybe more attractive in their mind. And this is just my experience. But if they're doing an Asian accent, they're doing more of a mocking kind of more comedic style of -hmm. joke. And, you know, I personally never experienced like someone maliciously mocking my accent. Um, But I'll say it was definitely there and it definitely got annoying at times. Yeah, because it's like one of those things where like, it's a joke to a point, but then people keep doing it. And then it's like, I it's not funny anymore like it is really just constant and it's I don't understand what the whole situation is you know yeah, I remember um I remember my group of friends in high school I we were kind of like that group who always gave each other a hard time just because we were really close mm-hmm. like you know we kind of roast each other but I remember like I brought up the fact that like there's this one kid who kept kind of make making an asian accent when he was like imitating me and just like making fun of me yeah. but in like in a good-hearted manner right yeah but i mentioned that like hey you know maybe don't do an asian accent you know it's not really like i consider a little offensive and mm-hmm. he did it so much it got to the point it was just really annoying yeah but I remember he was like he like almost called me essentially a snowflake and like mm-hmm. just to get over it yeah and it's like you know he was the more popular person in the group so they kind of sided with him so i'll say that was probably the most annoying part of the accent yeah yeah and it's funny because now that we're listening to it we're both like you know they were being they're our friends and like you know this and that but at the end of the day it's also like you bring it up and it's like not like pushed aside a little as like you're overreacting but I think a lot of it is like they're not on that other side of even for jobs for anything in the future like you work hard to learn English learn literally everything and even like honestly like at least for me like get rid of the accent I don't think people realize the extent of work that comes with that and then to have it be like kind of like you said like kind of put down I don't think put down is the the right word for me at least but it's you know make like they are in a sense like laughing at the fact that this is happening without being helpful about it and don't get me wrong, there's people that would kindly say like, hey, like, Ori, like, this is how you say that. And I'd, it's, this isn't, I want to make it clear. This isn't something of like, 
I can't, we can't take corrections. Or, or if I say something like, you're not going to call it out. Not at all. People would literally let me know kindly, like, hey, girl, like, this is how you say this. And I'd literally be like, okay, cool, received and moved on. But it was something where it was just like, I remember perfectly, I, you guys, I could not say vitamins. I would say vitamins um, because in Spanish, you say vitaminas. So like, it's like the V rather than Vi. In high school, I said that once. And people, like, I remember specifically one person just started laughing and she was just like, oh my gosh, like, you mean vitamins? Like, and I was just like, okay, yeah, yes, like I did. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if I'm saying it wrong, be like, hey, like, this is how you say that. Not like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you just said that. You understood what I was saying. So like, you know. And yeah, people don't realize, I think it's important to have that, um, the perspective of if someone has an accent, it's not that they don't know one language like poorly. It's the fact that they, they know two languages. Yeah. Like anyone with an accent probably has put in more work in their languages than one person who's grown up in America. Yeah, because you, you see the importance. And you see that even now here at UT when a lot of TAs will have accents because a lot of them are from foreign countries. Um, and I've seen some group group messages, even Zoom chats that will almost like accuse the TA of having the accent yeah. and like, oh, we can't understand you. Like, and for the most part, it's like, you know, they just repeat the question. Mm-hmm. But I saw this screenshot of a group me online on like a Facebook college chat. And it was like, yeah, this guy has an accent. Like, ha ha ha. Can we like get a new TA? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't understand him at all. Like, can we use it? Like, and they wanted to use a stuff subtitling service, but like they were mentioning in a very condescending manner. Yeah. And like, for me, like, that's just like not cool. There's ways to go about that where you get your point across without making fun of the person Mm. or doing anything but anything else that just isn't kind towards addressing an issue. So I completely like understand that. And I've also like, I think that's very um, common um, just in college as a whole. A lot of people in college are exposed to new people that maybe at home they never would have been exposed to before. Um, And that in itself, I feel like sometimes is a learning curve for them, but it doesn't matter. Like you can have the learning curve. I think that's the big takeaway of that. But as a whole, like, obviously, like I personally just talked about like that little thing that would really bother me. But I also feel like my family and I have been very, very lucky um, because I think when we moved to the U.S., like we just met a lot of really incredible people and a lot of people that were there wanting us to succeed and move forward and learn and get used to American life and how things work here in comparison to Venezuela. So as an immigrant, I know like I'm like I know I've heard the stories out there. But for me personally, I am very thankful from my experience being in the US. I love this country. Like this country has given me so much, which I'll like talk about later. But I I'm really grateful. For the most part, people here have wanted me to like succeed and have helped me through things. I've met incredible people. And honestly, my experience has genuinely been positive um, as an immigrant. I'm not sure how you feel about that. No, I think 100% I agree that my life here is better than it would have been in South Korea. Um, Just knowing the kind of person I am, 
I think, you know, a lot of my family, you know, all my families in South Korea and all of them are great people. Um, But you hear kind of horror stories about the education system over there. Mm. Um, I think school hour, like school days are at least 10 hours long and you're strongly recommended to put in more hours at school. Um, It's not really a nine to three. You can do sports before or after. It's pretty much studying and like, because a lot of those Korean students want to go abroad to college mm-hmm. and it's really competitive and pretty much just studying their whole life. And growing up in America, I had the freedom to follow a lot of my passions like mm-hmm. swimming, um, taekwondo, tennis, things I never would have been able to do back yeah. there. Um, and my sisters, they always used to tell me how lucky I was to start my education here in the yeah. U.S. Um, because they had to do some years um, in the Korean education system and Man, I think they were about five and they started learning like calligraphy yeah. and Chinese um, mm-hmm. subjects that like, you know, honestly are hard for college students. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, it's easy to say like the grass is always greener on the other side, especially with current events and, you know, how the U.S. may not be viewed as such a great country. And and when people say they want to move to other countries a lot. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> OK, that's actually really funny. Let me tell you something. And again, this was my personal experience. I come from a country that is quite literally falling apart. Like Venezuela is not doing well. So sometimes when I am in conversations with people in the U.S. about how the U.S. is the worst country or how the U.S. like just bad talking their life or not even their life, but their situation in the US or however, like whatever that is. And honestly, like, don't get me wrong. Yes, there are problems in the US 100%. I am not saying that at all. But when you come from a country that is quite literally falling apart, and you are listening to all of this awful talk about like how life here and this is coming from like, I I don't want to generalize, but it's coming from like people that you know, like who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, like more or less their life or where they come from or whatever. It honestly is very, very frustrating for me because it's almost like, it feels like an like undermining, like, mm-hmm. th- like the reality that like at the end of the day, you live in a first world country. Yep. And you are living, it's almost like first world problems is what they talk about. And again, like there, there's things happening here, but when you're coming from a, like a place like Venezuela and you hear that, like, it feels very like you need to get over yourself. Yeah. You really just don't Mm. know what real, like, Mm. you know, quote unquote suffering is. Yeah. I mean, and that's not the discount, like people here in America, like, right. there are real, there's real suffering happening here in the country, but yeah. you know, on social media and online is usually in my experiences, it's been the people who are not really suffering yes. that make and, those kinds of comments. Yeah. And I agree. I want to make that very clear. Um, like I am very aware that there's things going on. Um, and I'm not referring to those people. I'm referring to <laughs> the social media people. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, you're good. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely, you know, I would say South Korea is not as bad as the state of Venezuela, but the, I would say the majority of Americans don't live in fear of like a missile attack from North Korea. That's yeah. almost seen as a joke here. 
But I remember like a couple of my family members, they're pretty close to some of the missile strikes that were happening. I think in the last five years, mm-hmm. um, North Korea sent some missiles over, had some family members close. And, you know, that's a thing that like hasn't happened in the U.S. an entire like explosion that scaled since like 9-11. So there's definitely things to compare about, you know, living in the U.S. versus not living in the U.S. But I think that one important thing is cultural assimilation. Oh, yeah. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I mean, <laughs> Me too. I went yep. to Grapevine, Texas, Post Malone, went to my high school. It was as honestly as white as you could get. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some diverse, diverse like people in there. But I think that kind of really, I'll say whitewashed my point of view almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and growing up as, you know, a different person, a person of color, um, I almost wanted to be them. So yeah. I would kind of reject my culture almost. I would be... I remember uh, I went to the DMV with my parents and my parents, obviously, they have a hard time reading that much technical jargon. So mm-hmm. I'd be translating it for them. I'd be talking in Korean in the DMV. And I remember feeling embarrassed in that moment because I was talking yeah. a foreign language in a public place, which looking back is is pretty stupid to feel embarrassed. But mm-hmm. I think it's valid for younger immigrants out there. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I also, since I've been in the U.S., I grew up in a predominantly white community and it's I feel like I have become very American um because at the end of the day like the people that you were surrounded with at the time were American people right um and so it's kind of crazy like thinking about that because I know a lot of my like Hispanic friends or like there there were definitely like Hispanic or Latino cliques, but I don't know why for some reason I just wasn't a part of them just because I liked, like, I don't know. I feel like I, I got to a point where I was like, I connected more with my American friends. And so that was really interesting. Um, the, the really great thing that my parents did at home, my Venezuelan culture at home is intact. Like I like from food to like the language, like to this day, I may be Americanized or have culturally assimilated to America, but my Venezuelan roots are like 100% intact because of home. And, you know, we obviously try our best to keep our connection with our family members because, well, now, like for me, like my family lives in Venezuela and then some of them live in Spain, but no one is in the U.S., right? So like trying to keep that connection strong is something that we try to do every day. And obviously it's a struggle, but it's it's something that has kept us like together. And I think that's why it's it's interesting having both cultures like be a part of you. Okay, so Lion, we have talked about a lot of different topics, um, our experiences and everything and how like we've culturally assimilated to the US um, and everything. Something that I want to know is, okay, we moved, now we're in the U.S. Like, what does moving forward and living in the U.S. like mean to you? I think, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, such a cliche thing to say, but making my parents proud Mm -hmm. uh, because they sacrificed so much for me. um, And really, you know, they're retired now and they're not, they're not going to have like a a stream of income to like, like live very comfortably, like live well above their means that they deserve, right? Mm-hmm. So I know me and my sisters, a big reason of why we do this is for our parents. And that may seem like very 
that may seem very foreign to an American culture where it's, you know, they focus on independence and like your own um, happiness and you kind of send your like grandparents to like retirement homes. Um, for me, like that concept, I think I volunteered at retirement homes before and I personally would never send my parents there. Yeah. So that and there's just so much you can do here. I would never be a like smart enough in South Korea to succeed. And I think there's just geniuses over there. Um, but the opportunities I've had here, the people I've met, um, that especially at UT, you know, that diverse diverse perspectives, um, it pushes me to want to learn more and be more. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the US is really good at. Yeah. Um, it's agree. it's easy to get lost in the vast pool of opportunities here, but if you can kind of focus on what you want, um, honestly, like the world is your oyster. You can yeah. do anything you want. Yeah, no, I completely agree with the giving back to your parents. Um, just because you're right, like they, like just the fact of moving here and just, you know, it almost feels like, like, no, it, it's not even almost feels like they left their life, the life they knew for to move to the US. And it definitely is that mentality of like giving back to them um, and making sure that, or whatever it is that I end up doing, like it makes my parents proud. And even the sole idea of like we moved here has like grounded us and like made us such a tight family. So yeah, I 100% like feel like everything I do now in the future, like my parents are always gonna be such a presence in everything that I end up accomplishing or doing it because at the end of the day like I would not be here filming this podcast doing the thing without their support their help their everything and and yeah and I I think that you know we talked a little bit about the American dream um and I actually really love the idea of the American dream um and I think sometimes the American dream as like a thing can be very controversial. Um, And I remember actually being in, I think it was freshman year in one of my classes, uh, we were talking about the American dream and somebody mentioned that they didn't think the American dream was currently something that people pursued as immigrants. And I remember timing in and being like, no, like actually like the American dream for me is something that even I continuously try to pursue because at the end of the day, like, the United States has the opportunities that I want in order to succeed. It's just a matter of seeking it out. I want to go into the entertainment industry. Like my future goal and my, yeah, my, my biggest accomplishment would be to work in Hollywood or something of that sort where I'm in entertainment. That would not be possible in Venezuela. The amount of like technological, like advancements, like, again, overall opportunity in the US is something that is literally incomparable to what I would have had in Venezuela. And so I I think that's one of the reasons I feel like I've always been very focused on moving forward and like doing well in school and, and making sure that like, again, everything I do is to give back to my parents and somehow in the future, whatever it is that I end up accomplishing, like that is yeah like it's a credit to my work or whatever but you know damn well it's going to be a credit to my parents as long as i continue living in the u.s like i am pursuing that american dream of bettering myself 
bettering myself and my future, but also doing that for my parents mm -hmm. and for my kids later. And you know, <laughs> yeah. the whatever generation will come because you're setting that up for other people as well, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like you have the entertainment um, aspirations for me. I want to go into the medical field. Yeah. And if you just look at it numbers wise, if you tried to go in the medical field in South Korea, it's just really competitive. And um, I mean, it's competitive here, but it's you, you couldn't believe it over there. And, you know, part of the reason why that I'm choosing that field is for my parents. Um, I mean, the high level of job security um, and the high income, you can't really ignore it. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm doing the medical field because of the money. Um, those are just benefits. Um, and I, I see myself like a huge chunk of that um, or a sizable chunk going to my parents. Um, yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um, and I want to go back to about retirement homes. I have nothing against retirement homes. I just think like, as of right now, there's a lot of reforms need to happen to them. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I mean, that's a whole different conversation though. Yeah, no, but I, I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, like for me, like I also like want my parents to be close to me, like mm -hmm. whenever they're older and et cetera. But yeah, like as a whole, I feel the future is here is very, is very bright. And that's exciting. The US really does offer something for people. And it's just a matter of like, you know, trying to pursue that. And and that's what I'm like constantly trying to do. And what I will continue to do. I mean, that's, that's the mindset to have. Even now, though, I think yeah. it's really easy to become disheartened about the future of this country. But I think as a whole, like, America is definitely the best country in the world. Um, yeah. to raise a family in, to have a successful culture. There might be, there's a lot of things holding us back. Yeah, um, but, it, but if you look at other countries, there's things you may not realize that hold them back. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, to reach their battle, like, you know, we are, we live here and therefore we focus on the problems here and that's natural and what, you know, but I, I do think that being aware of putting the U.S. in context with other places is very, very important, especially when expressing yourself and when, you know, when when talking about the, the things that you talk about and the ways in which you talk about things. And overall, just from this conversation, like we touched upon a lot of different things, but if you're going to take anything out of it, like be kind and know that a lot of immigrants are doing their best um, and they're really, really trying to succeed and make a life of themselves here. And it's not easy. And nobody said it was going to be easy. I think everyone that is in the mindset of I need to immigrate for whatever reason knows it's going to be hard, but there's a reason why people do it. Um, and I think that's something very important that needs to be kept in mind when speaking about immigration. I don't think anyone wants to leave their homes. Like, I don't think, you know, I don't think my, like, I mean, it's different for my parents, but a, a lot of it was also the state of Venezuela, you know, like they knew what was going to be coming and, but nobody at the end of the day, nobody wants to leave their home. Like, it's yeah. not a good time. Like, tr like leaving your family, leaving your friends, coming to a place where you quite literally don't know anyone, don't know the language. Like, so just giving a little bit of grace, I think is always so, so important. And then educating yourself, like this is our experience, but our experience 
is very, very different than the person next door, you know, or, mm. or whoever that might be, but talk to people and learn about that. Right. Like I just literally learned so much about you, Lion, yeah. that I would not have if this conversation hadn't occurred. You exactly. Know? And then the fact that we're both students at UT, but have such different immigrant stories mm -hmm. just goes to show how different it can be for everyone. And I would say that, you know, to any, like to anyone, right. Anyone who, who might be the dominant culture or person of color or marginalized group, say, I think everyone just needs to be open to change and really open-minded. Yeah. Um, just because um, the U.S. is such a fast-growing culture, there is no set blueprint of, like, the model American. Um, so I would say, you know, even to, like, immigrants, they need to be willing to change. Like, you can still, of course, celebrate your culture, but if you're so iron-fast and iron-headed in your own culture, you're going to kind of be left behind. Yeah, um, it's a melting pot, and I mm -hmm. feel like we need to embrace that, you know? Like... I think it's perfect that you said there is no specific American figure. You know what I mean? Because like at the end of the day, like this country was made off of like immigrant work. And that's something that's just a factual evidence. But I don't think that's something that, you know, like we should run from. Like that's something that mm -hmm. we need to embrace and, and understand. And I don't know, like there's nothing better than like a learning from other perspectives and other cultures and just even with that, like just listening and applying that knowledge either for the future or just within growing for yourself. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like even, even us immigrants and others, we need to be open to other like different perspectives. You know, yeah, we, we talk a lot about how, you know, white people should be open to perspectives. Um, but it's just as important as just per pertaining to us. So yeah, I agree. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed this, mm -hmm. actually. Like, we never have this conversation. Yeah. Like, it's hard to be like, hey, let's talk about, you know, yeah, this, our we'll, accents. Yeah, we'll <laughs> never have this kind of conversation casually. Yeah. I think rarely anyone would. Yeah. But let me tell y'all, it's a fun conversation. It's a serious conversation, but it's such a cool conversation mm -hmm. to have to know that, you know, you're kind of not alone mm -hmm. in whatever it is that you're going through. To an extent, somebody can relate. So thank you for being here. No, thank you for having me. Um, it's been great being here. I yeah. think you're doing great things with this podcast. Thank you. Um, I mean, you're just very diverse, everything from high school musical <laughs> high school to musical immigration musical. topics. I'm very impressed with that diversity. Um, yeah. No, and thank you. Like, thank you for your words, first of all. But also thank you for sharing um, your experience and talking a little bit about the experience of your parents. I know that, I don't know, I feel like sometimes that can be a very personal thing to share um so I really appreciate that you're so willing to talk about it and and to provide like a certain awareness for that and so thank you Lion thank you for having me any last minute words anything you'd like to live the audience with um I guess dream big I don't know no I agree dream big 2.0 for me <laughs> um but yeah uh, thank you guys for listening to Brewing with Ori. A bit of a different conversation, but definitely an important one. Um, as always, if you feel like sharing, you know, if you're an immigrant or if you're not, please feel free to share. Um, if you took anything out of this conversation or if you've had your own experiences that you'd like to share with me, I'm literally always so open to hear different perspectives or, or to learn a little bit more from, from y'all as well. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this. Um, I certainly did. Lion, 
I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome. We all enjoyed it. So I hope y'all did too. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to Brain with Ori. Stay safe, stay healthy. Um, sending you a lot of love and a big hug. Thank you guys and see you next week.